0: We were not designed to be alone. God's plan for His people has always been that we would live our lives in relationship with each other. When we put Jesus at the center of those relationships, we have Christ-centered community. After a difficult season of isolation and loss, we are calling God's people to once again gather, both in worship and in Christ-centered community. We believe that God is calling us to bring the presence of Christ to homes and neighborhoods all over Fayetteville and beyond. We want to invite you to join us right where you live. Your street, your home, your apartment building, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, your parish. Find out who else in your area is gathering to belong, grow and serve in the name of Jesus by visiting us at the community booth or online at fellowshipfayetteville.org forward slash community.
1: Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Glad y'all are here today. My name is Andy. I uh, have the privilege of leading our Celebrate Recovery ministry that meets here every single Friday night at seven o'clock. We're glad you're here. Welcome both to those of us that are here in the room and those that are here on live stream. We're so glad that you're here today. Grateful that we just have some time to gather together and, and worship together this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we know it's probably been a crazy week for a lot of our families in here as school's been getting back up, or maybe you've been dropping uh, some kids off at college. I know I was talking to a staff member earlier this week, and he was just talking about how emotional he got dropping his son off at college. And if that's you, if that happened to you this week, that's okay. That's a normal thing. I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. This is a safe place. Uh, and, and so thank you for, for being here this morning, and we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, You know, fall, uh, one thing that I realized a lot this week is that summer is definitely coming to a close. Fall is basically here, and we've got a lot of things starting to kick off, and that is the case here at at Fellowship as well. And so we're so excited. We've got a lot of stuff coming. One really cool thing that's happening is our college ministry is kicking off tonight here in this room at 7 o'clock. And so if you're a college student here in the room right now, or maybe you know one, we would invite them, uh, any college students here or, or any college students you know, come back here at seven o'clock tonight. We, it's not just a, a college ministry, it's, it's church for college students. Uh, and in this room, just imagine it filled up with a bunch of college students here uh, that, that, that. They, they can know, they can grow in community with, and then they can grow closer to Jesus with. And so that's going to be a great thing that's happening tonight. They've also got Burton's ice cream. And so that's, that's an added bonus as well. I love Burton's ice cream. I've got food issues though. And so that's a thing. But anyway, uh, another thing that we've got uh, going on as well is uh, out in the foyer, we've got our first... Timothy uh, books ready. We've got our first Timothy series that's kicking off here in a couple weeks, and so you'll want to grab one of these guides. Our media team has done a great job putting these together as we walk through our first Timothy series this fall. And also with that, they, they've made a bookmark as well. You want to make sure, I was instructed this morning, you need to get both. Make sure you get the, the guide and the bookmark as, as we're walking through that as well. Uh, and then probably the thing that I'm most excited about that we've got Uh, launching this fall is our expression of Christ-centered community here at at Fellowship Fayetteville, primarily through small groups. And our community groups, you guys have been hearing a lot about those. Uh, That's a great, incredible option for us to find community. But we've got a lot of options here at at Fellowship Fayetteville to do that. And one of those is through Celebrate Recovery that meets here every single Friday night at 7 o'clock, but also through something that we call step study groups that we have that meet through Celebrate Recovery. And those groups are, the purpose of those is, is for a group of men or a group of women to, to walk together in a safe place as, as we process through the baggage that we might be carrying with us in our life, whether it's the hurts that we're, we're carrying with us or the, the bad habits that we got with us or, or the things that are just holding us back in relationship with God and others in there. Uh, and they're, they're a great place. And I know for me, Step Study changed my life it changed the way that I relate with my family. It's the best thing I ever did for my marriage. And it's changed the way that I continue to engage with God and others moving forward. And I've seen that happen time and time again with people that have walked through that. Quick story, back in uh, 2018, we had a woman that, that walked into Fellowship Fayetteville here on a Sunday morning by herself, carrying with her a lot of wounds, uh, some trauma, and a lot of hurt from other churches that she had been failed by. And she saw an announcement for Celebrate Recovery, decided to come on a Friday night and get plugged into it, not expecting that anything would happen out of it, figuring that she had seen everything that she'd seen before and this place was just gonna let her down as well. She got plugged into a step study after a couple weeks and that step study started right before COVID hit. But it kept going all the way through COVID and something incredible happened with her. She found herself being able to trust the group of women that she was with. She started to find healing and hope in the midst of her baggage that she was carrying with her. And when her step study group completed and we celebrated that on a Friday night, she actually got baptized that night. And then she decided to become a leader. And now she's actually walking with with other women through their hurts and their hangups and their habits to help them find healing and hope in Jesus. And I love that story because it, It just displays the power and the hope and the healing that happens through small groups. That happens as we come together as a Christ-centered community in authenticity and vulnerability to find the healing and hope that Jesus brings us. And so if you're interested in joining a step study, we're going to have a couple that are signups will be opening here in this next week. You can find that on the website. Or if you want to get plugged into a community group as well, we've got the community group team out at the booth. But... Uh, as as we think about what God does in the context of small groups, we get to celebrate that today, here and now. As we think about the grace and the hope and the peace that Jesus gives us through Him, as we celebrate and worship Him this morning. So, thank you. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Fellowship.
2: Thanks, Andy. Um... Good morning, my name is uh, David. I'm one of the, uh, the leaders here, and like Andy said, we're just so thankful that you're here. Um, I've done two-step studies myself, and I can, I can attest to the fact that they are life-changing. It's, it's um, made me and my wife's marriage so much healthier, and we are so thankful for uh, CR's investment in our life, and Andy, your investment in my life individually too. It has been amazing, and I want us to sing a song this morning that simply reminds us of our story. It's an old song that we know, an old hymn that we're very familiar with, Amazing Grace. And I just want us to sing it. I want want you to sing it over the person beside you this morning. There's not going to be music going on. It's going to be our voices that are carrying it. So would you stand with us and let's sing this. Let's take a moment to reflect on our story and where the grace of God intersected our life. So let's sing this. Amazing grace,
3: how sweet. Saved a wretch like me I once was lost But now I
2: found Was mine, But now I see was grace, sing it out i great. been with us grace together one more time. Let's read this prayer together. This comes from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. you a new song this morning. Um, It's a song called Abide. Uh, Our teaching this morning is going to be on prayer. And if you're anything like me, uh, sometimes when you're praying, you feel like maybe you're talking to nothing and it can be kind of hard for you. Uh, Or I have extreme ADD, so it's hard for me to stay focused for very long to begin with. Um, What I've learned over the years is prayer. A lot lot of what prayer is, is it's simply abiding with any, any, any relationship that you have that's, that's worth importance to you in your life, it's, it's often that you communicate. It's just part of a relationship. And it's the same way with our Lord, is abiding with Him. And so I'm going to teach you a chorus of this song, um, and then we're going we're gonna to sing it together. And then we're going to respond after the teaching this morning uh, with this song. So it goes like this. You're the way, the truth,
3: and the light. You're the well that never runs dry, I'm the branch and you are the vine, draw me close and teach me to abide, be my strength, my song in the night, be my all, my treasure, my pride.
2: too hard try it with us let's sing it together you're the way Singing that we're going to need your help, in singing that with us. I want to read our passage for the morning. This is Matthew chapter nine. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this morning, Father, we give this time to you. Would you teach us? Would you open our hearts, open our minds to hear from your word this morning that we may leave different. God, we need you. This is all about you.
4: Hello everyone. One thing we have certainly learned about COVID-19 over the last 18 months is that this disease is a moving target. Whether it be politicians, pundits, or scientists, COVID continues to outsmart them all, creating anger, angst, and frustration for those who place their hope and trust in man's wisdom. So who do we turn to? God. As followers of Christ, we must seek unity and not allow the loudest voices to dictate our response or diminish the peace that knowing Christ affords to all who trust in Him. Romans 12.18 instructs us that if it is possible, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with everyone. He told us to love our enemies, and those who simply disagree with us over current issues are certainly not our enemies. Don't be deceived by Satan. We shouldn't allow anything to disrupt unity or divide us. Who numbers our days? God. We are all terminal, and our earthly fate is in His hands. But should we do everything within our power to stop the spread of this disease and be healthy? Absolutely. Every day is a gift from God, presenting us the opportunity to bring glory to His name this side of heaven. Nothing about this disease, or its devastating effects, took our Lord by surprise. The difficulties we encounter in this life are opportunities for each of us to grow and shine, not wither in faith. So let's press forward in faith, giving no quarter to the enemy, whose objective is to divide, oppress, distract, and ultimately destroy us. Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas will grow stronger through this pandemic. We will not yield to the strategies of the enemy or abandon those ideals found in the scriptures that we firmly believe. May his feeble efforts embolden our faith and fortify our resolve. Let us come together. Psalm 46 reads, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. God bless you.
0: Of our elders, and uh, always want to publicly acknowledge uh, God's gracious uh, guiding hand through them and uh, their prayers for us, all of our congregations throughout Northwest Arkansas, and so uh, good perspective uh, from them this morning. If you are uh, new with us this morning, um, there's a plate being passed your way. And if you're brand new, don't feel any pressure to put any random change or money in there unless you feel like uh, the Lord is prompting you to do that. Um, We're super grateful that you're here. And uh, we have uh, found ourselves um, almost to the end of August here. And uh, this city is changing. There's people moving in and uh, some 27,000 of them uh, just two miles south of here. And so if you're a college student in here this morning, I want to give you a special welcome and say uh, we love that you're here this morning. And uh, we love that you're here so much this morning. We love having you here on Sunday mornings, but we also have a 7 p.m. college service that kicks off tonight. Uh, We've got a, a, a college pastor team and uh, they have a small group network, and uh, if you'd like to check that out tonight, be here at 7. It'll be a rocking place. Um, if, uh, if you've been out some, I would encourage you to uh, get caught up in our series, just so you know. The way we uh, kind of move and live and work here at Fellowship Fayetteville is we try to teach through um, books of the Bible uh, three different times of year, Okay. Uh, some of those um, gap times, like right now, like in August, every year we try to step back and look at the big picture of why we exist as a church and where we're going as a church. And so you found us in the middle of our mission vision series. In week one, I got to uh, just remind us that as individuals, as humans, as followers of Jesus, and as this church sits here on this property, on Highway 112, we exist to magnify the weight of God's character and presence to the world and to bring him glory. Um, In week two of this series, Garland helped us see. He clarified for us the good news of the gospel, the proclamation that Jesus is Israel's Messiah, and he's the world's true king, and that's great news for us. We looked at the, the method of our mission last week as Michael walked us through this idea of the great commission. We're to be a church that makes disciples. We help people turn into followers of Jesus. And at Fellowship Fayetteville, we primarily express that in terms of how we go about doing that through small groups. And so today we're going to look at the power behind our mission, the power behind our mission, what we as followers of Jesus call prayer, the power behind our mission, how God, how the Holy Spirit uses the prayers of his people to accomplish his mission. And then in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be able to take a big picture look at what God's doing around the world through your generosity and stewardship, and then take a look at what it looks like to take ownership of our city in terms of the Great Commission. So we're excited about this time. We're going to be studying First Timothy together here in a few weeks and uh, you'll have an opportunity, um, as Andy mentioned, to pick up a guide and walk you through that. And so um, just to catch you up to speed, uh, go, go back to our uh, website, catch up on those podcasts. You can watch our services. Um, we've got discussion questions. We've got the slide presentations in there. Um, you can listen to the audio. And we actually have a prayer guide on there today that you can download and uh, use in your prayer life um, on your phone. Well, what do you... Asking God to do right now that only He can do? What are you asking God for that only He can pull off? How's your prayer life? In my second junior year of college, and yes, those do exist. Anyone else have two junior years? They kind of ran together somehow. Um, in my second junior year, Uh, my family was going through a crisis of sorts. So I was away at college, and uh, my family was about 45 minutes away. And uh, this is where I began to uh, cut my teeth, if you will, as about a three-year-old follower of Jesus in terms of my prayer life. And uh, through my parents' uh, divorce my freshman year and another series of events, my mom began to cope and battle this thing we call alcoholism, and she began to um, struggle with that, and so because I was close enough, I felt some responsibility, not for her behavior, but to come alongside and help her, and many of you have experienced that, or maybe experiencing that right now, and so I felt this enormous weight to try to figure out, as, as someone who's got some OCD, and I'm kind of a fixer, right? I was naive enough to think that by just driving down there and like removing bottles out of the house would work it doesn't you see uh, this is not the mom that i grew up with with laughter the one who uh, helped me through my brillo pad hair years in the late 70s when i tried to feather it right um this is this wasn't the mom that you know she put notes in my incredible whole lunchbox and uh, this This sin, this struggle, this disease, this addiction, it it had gripped her. No matter what I did, it didn't seem to work. I began this seven-year battle with the Lord in prayer, asking him to do something that only he could do because humans could not fix this. There was something broken in my mom's heart. And I began to ask God, God, would you rescue her? Would you heal her? Uh, re- recovery programs had, had failed. And uh, no matter what she did, it, she couldn't claw out of this. It was seven years later after that battle began, God freed her from that. And God rescued her from that. And she uh, told me one day, she said, I, I, just, I, I had a meeting with the doctor. He said, you're going to die if you don't stop. And God did something in my heart that took that desire away. And she stopped. God did what only he could do. She continued to struggle in some other areas. And as most uh, former alcoholics battle in different ways, she continued to struggle. And God continued to deepen my prayer life. And so I don't know about you this morning, but um, you have your own personal story with what you're praying for. And there's, a lot of them are things that you won't talk about. And it's this quiet desperation. It's this weird, uncomfortable dependence of, God, why won't you move and why aren't you answering my prayers? It's been seven years of having my motives checked. And God, would you do a work? Would you give us the mother that we grew up with? And some of us are struggling in here this morning. We're asking God to move, to answer, to act. And we haven't seen it happen. We have a passage this morning where Jesus, in the midst of serving and doing and playing his role as this Messiah who's come to bring us this good news, we see him provide us with a solution, something that catches me a little bit off guard in terms of his answer, and the answer is prayer, the power behind the mission that God has given us to do. The Holy Spirit moves through the prayers of his Followers. It's mysterious. The timing of it is unique. How God answers prayers, it's an amazing thing. And yet, we see in the life of Jesus this desperate, dependent practice of Him, our Savior, going to His Father and asking Him for things that only the Father could do. He's practicing our first three sermons as we find Him in our text today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Uh, To Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be looking at just four verses here. uh, 35 through 38. Uh, Jesus is actually doing the work that he came to do to usher in the kingdom, the work of redemption. And here he's doing the work of the kingdom work. He says in John 17 from our first uh, teaching in this series that he had glorified the Father by doing the work God had given him to do. And we catch him doing some of that work today. He's bringing God glory. We also see him proclaiming this message of the kingdom, that he's the true king of the world and he's Israel's Messiah. And then we see him living out the very great commission he would give us at the end of Matthew. Uh, For those who are with him this morning um, in our text are his 12 disciples. And so he was a classroom. The classroom was always in session as he walked and did ministry, he always had men with him teaching them how to do the work of the ministry. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to give you four words that start with S to walk us through our passage today. Okay, four words start with S. Jesus serves, he sees, he senses, and he sins. He serves, sees, he senses, and he Sins and we find him in the middle of his public ministry. In Matthew, 5, 6, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount where he's given us his kingdom ethic. What does gospel righteousness mean and look like from the heart? He's laid that out for us, and now he's out doing the work of kingdom ministry, and we pick it up here in verse 35. Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom, the good news and healing every disease and every affliction. We see Jesus practicing the very thing he's calling others to do and proclaiming this good news of the kingdom. As he comes to the Jews in the synagogues, I am your Messiah, and I'm the world's true king, and I'm authenticating that. I'm authenticating my deity uh, through miracles and signs and wonders as he heals people. He makes his way through these different cities. And then it's as if he steps back, and and the, the way it's phrased here, when he saw the crowds as they were coming at him, and as he was leaning into them performing these miracles, it's as if he steps back and he sees the magnitude of the brokenness of what's happened on this planet. And it's in his time and space as he begins to do ministry. When was the last time You let yourself slow down, take a step back, and look at the crowds. God, what do you see? Give me perspective to see people as you see them. What do you see to see our city as God sees it? At an airport, a ball game, a park, the highs, the lows, the disappointments, the joys, the brokenness of what people are going through? Have you been up to Mount Sequoia in a while by the cross and just looked over the city and said, God, what do you see? What's going on here? Help me see this place through your eyes to uh, feel the things that you feel. Uh, During the pandemic, when the university was shut down, I made my way over there on the way home from work a lot of days and I would walk the campus. And uh, it was a way to get some exercise in. It was, no one was there. I did bump into the uh, bear one day up there, if you guys remember that. Came, I came within 15 feet of him, prayed for him. And, uh, but I would make my way up to uh, Harmon Garage, and, uh, and I would make my way, I would look to the left, and there would be, as I was looking south, the, the government buildings in the square, I'd see um, Fayetteville High School, and you could see 49 going south. And um, to my right, uh, west, and then north is the university. And God began to just give me this this heart again for our city. God, what do you see? What are you doing in this place? Some of you need to spend uh, uh, 30 minutes down by Lake Fayetteville just sitting on a bench. God, what do you see? Help me see what you see. I know I lost perspective this week. I did what I told my sons not to do when they started driving, I always said, use a light or take a right. Is that fair? Especially if you're on college or Weddington, for sure. Use a light or take a right. Well, um, I hit the uh, flyway coming in, going south down college around that Hobby Lobby area, and I was trying to go left. It's about one afternoon. And uh, I always try to turn left and not go all the way down to Rolling Hills, okay, and use the light. Well, Pam called me as I was sitting in that line, and she called me, and she goes, hey, what you doing? And she you know, just floods the world with joy. And uh, I said, well, I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in this traffic t- trying to turn left, and every person from Texas and Arkansas is in the other two lanes. And she was kind of quiet. <laughs> and uh, she said, you need to put on your happy face. And I'm like, that was her way of of rebuking me. Um, You know what, I had this thought. I said, you know, what would change if instead of seeing people as in my way, I saw people as who God puts in my path? That's how my wife sees them. But they were in my way. We should be celebrating the goodness of 27,000 students coming back into our city and the joy they bring and the hope they bring and the opportunity you guys bring to breathe life into this city and to be, become future laborers and workers in God's kingdom and harvests. And so I'm super thankful you're here. But Pam helped me see the world as God sees it. But he didn't just see something, he sensed something. He looked and he saw and he felt this deep compassion. It said he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. No doubt, there's probably two things going on here. Uh, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd as he looks at these, um, these Jews who are trying to figure out who the Messiah is. Many of them were feeling the weight, the burden, or the abuse of the law of God as the Pharisees and scribes have added things to the law that had become the traditions of men. And so you've got this group of people that are feeling the weight of something they can never attain to. In the same vein, the Pharisees and the scribes had turned away from the shepherding spirit, and they had begun to use their power for control, to stay in step with Rome. The very thing the law was pointing them to, the living water and the bread of life, is not what these shepherds were guiding them to. And so no doubt they were feeling that oppressive weight. But when Jesus felt this compassion, this sympathy, he no doubt felt also this sense, just the general weight of the grid of life that many of you are in this morning. Uh, the, the weight that you feel. You see, sheep wonder. They get caught in thickets and thorns. Sheep need protection from the wolves on the fence line. Uh, their wool needs sheared. They need to be led to green pastures, to be fed. They were without direction, hopeless. And yet the the good shepherd, the great shepherd, stood before them with hope. When you see these images, what emotion is stirred in your heart? Be it what's going on in Afghanistan right now, in the brokenness there. Uh, What do you see when you see images of what's been happening in Haiti? Or any number of riots that happen around the world week to week when political upheavals happen, when brother fights against brother. What do you feel when you see these images? And I would warn you, if when you see images like this, you have in your heart the idea, well, they kind of had it coming. If they would just buy in to a different political system, or if they would just forsake their false gods, or if they would... How much control did you have over where you were born? I think when Jesus sees this, he sees brokenness. He has righteous anger over the brokenness of the world. But he feels hurt, compassion, compassion. He sees this as our field or the harvest that we're to send out workers to, to bring the hope and joy of the gospel to. What do you see? What do you feel? Or bring it home a little bit, okay? We're gonna bring it home to some of your worlds and just our little place here in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You know, there's people hurting in our town. We're about to move into a season um, where... We get to celebrate uh, something fun we do around here called football, right? Um, Here in Hogland. uh, But man, what's it like to be a 19-year-old on display in front of 70,000 people and have your identity and self-worth wrapped up in your performance in a three-hour block on a Saturday? Gary, you remember those days? It's probably not a great place to be when you're struggling through your identity. Some of the sorority girls that have gotten bids and getting bids right now, they've gone through this. There's a, there's a sense of, of helplessness in that process. There's probably a mom and a, a dad, maybe even in this room this morning, that have made their way out of their home, and they're about to start an apartment lease at the beginning of September because the marriage has crumbled. And they're having to hit reset, broken, harassed, helpless, no doubt... Many of you in this room have made your way to a Highlands Oncology parking lot in the last year. And you know with each step, you're going into a room to hear the results of a scan that you hope will be good news. It's a helpless feeling. Your emotions are all over the place. This last year, some of Jesus' followers have maybe let some of you down. Uh, You've been harassed by loud voices on the margins. And you've been captivated by other things other than the living water, more anxious than ever, slave to fear, unable to find rest and peace. And this is the collision of it all. We're struggling to find this rest and peace, and yet we tangibly have more than we ever thought we would have. We're harassed and helpless. And I think this is part of what Jesus sees and feels. What do you see and feel When you see Fayetteville, Jesus' answer when he sees is this. He makes this statement, verse 37 The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What? He is doing the work of the ministry, he's serving, he's seeing, he's feeling compassion. And then he says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. I like to use this as a guide on occasion if it's a great website the joshuaproject.net and it keeps up with the progress of the good news going to all the peoples of the world. And so it gives you just kind of a broad view and then you can sink down the different nations of the world and you can see the grand harvest of what God is doing around the world. Did you know there's over 17,000 people groups, distinct languages and cultures things that make them them and us us. And uh, there's over 17,000 of those here in the world. Um, 7,400 of those are still unreached. They don't have uh, the scriptures in their language. They don't have an identifiable church to bring them the good news. And if they wanted to hear the gospel, there'd be no one to tell them that. It's the state of the harvest right now. About 42% of the world doesn't have access To the gospel. And I think, you know, we live in a reached area, if you will, but there are some in our community that have not seen the gospel lived out or actually heard the message shared. But they're close enough to someone in this city who could tell them. The harvest is plentiful, not just far, but also near. That's why God has you where he has you. The harvest is both near or far. It's not an either or. We sow the gospel here as we make our way there. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And then we look at the end of our passage. Steve Shadrach says in his book, The Fuel in the Flame. It's a great book. If you're a student, give you vision for what God could do on your campus. says this is the most dangerous prayer in the Bible. One of the sneakiest verses Of the Bible. And I can hear him saying that. Verse 38 Therefore, because of this kingdom ministry, because of what I'm seeing now, because of the compassion that I feel for this brokenness in the world, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. At the end of John, Jesus said, My peace I leave with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. It's an interesting prayer. Would you send out workers to do kingdom work, to proclaim the good news? That's his answer to the problem, sending out workers. He's telling his disciples this. Within six verses in chapter 10, he sends them out to be an answer to this prayer. It's a sneaky verse. If You're going to pray this verse. As you're praying it, God may tap you on your shoulder, in answering that prayer, and you will be the very answer to this prayer. And some of you may may take you somewhere around the world in the next five years to be an answer and the solution to the unreached, to hear the good news of Jesus. And his command to pray is the very vision he's calling them to. Jesus always saw the masses of people through a few. And as we pray for workers, as, as I stand here even today with you up here, I don't just see you, I see how God sees through you to multiply disciples all over Fayetteville in the world. Jesus knew that God uses our prayers to accomplish his mission. And if he's the master, he's the Lord of the harvest, he's the one that brings fruit to our prayers, I just wanna take a step back and look at a few things that Jesus says about prayer to give us something that we can take out of here this morning, okay? A few things that he teaches us about prayer. We're to pray in Jesus' name. It's a collection of verses from uh, the book of John and 1 John. The first thing that I would note here is there's a repetitive word that's used here, and when you see a word repeated, if you're a good Bible study student, you go, okay, why does he say that over and over? And there's a word here called ask, Okay? Now, we've got a little bit of passive-aggressive in our home, and so I don't know about you, but um, oftentimes, someone will be walking through the kitchen, and usually it's me, and I'll say, man, those dishes are piling up. Or, you know, I'll get in my, one of my son's cars and say, man, we've we got some laundry to do. Yeah, exactly. You're going, yeah, why laundry in the car? Yeah, because he seems to live out of there, it seems like. And I make these statements to get things done, and it's just easier to observe and say something instead of just ask for some reason. The big idea here is that we're to ask, we're to ask specific God because of your glory, because of this gospel. Because of the Great Commission, I want to ask you, God, to do something that's in accordance with your will. Would you send someone to my friend in this neighborhood in Fayetteville? Would you orchestrate a a crisis, an event in their life that would bring them to the end of themselves and would make them palatable to the good news of Jesus? God, I'm asking you to do this. God, would you do this before Christmas? Ask. Let's don't be passive-aggressive prayers. God, they seem to be hurting. There seems to be something going on here. Ask and be specific. The other thing we see here, repetitive, is this phrase, in his name. You know, his name, Jesus, actually means Savior. So when we're praying in his name, we're praying unto the very name of what his name means that people would come into relationship with him and be rescued. He's also Messiah. He's also king. We're praying unto that purpose, unto that fame, that his name would be famous, that people would surrender to his kingship. And so we, we pray in his name. It's not a way to get out of your prayer and say an amen. It's actually the power, it's the purpose, it's everything that our prayers are going to. In his name, Greg Pruitt develops this concept in his little book, Extreme Prayer. You got to get a copy of that and read it um, this fall. It's a short read, but um, it's towards his will, for his glory, when you pray in his name. You know, I look back on those college years when I was trying to cut my teeth on prayer and just figure out how it works, and um, I look back and I remember, you know, I stayed in the praying for my mom because it was the right thing to do, it seemed like, and I didn't know what else to do. I, wasn't, I couldn't fix the situation. Um, but my faith waned. And oftentimes, the reason I was praying was to end her pain and to maybe take the burden off of me. As a young follower of Jesus, just in my infancy, I didn't realize that one of the reasons that we pray and we ask God to do great things in people we love lives is to be able to step back when it's over and go, look what God did, glory, look what God did. Look what God did, not what my prayers did, look how he showed up back to those college days. Uh, Pam and I had the privilege um, one summer, this is after Russia had opened up, and uh, they had divided into different nation states, if you will, about 15 of them. And uh, during that extended junior year experience, we got to spend two months in a southern city in Russia called Rostov, about 600 miles south of Moscow. There's about a million people there at the time. And we went to do um, work, to help understand a little bit about this city and what God was doing in this city. And uh, these are some students we were meeting with in a park uh, one afternoon. And as we spent time there, I realized that we didn't know the language, not saying we had a great strategy. We would literally just walk into the city every day. We'd take a bus and find a place. We'd just start meeting people in parks and universities. I was scared out of my mind all summer. And, uh, and then we would build relationships, and as best we could, we would walk people through this good news of Jesus to help them see. And what we met with that summer was empty eyes, empty faces, empty hearts. It seemed like no matter what we did, we couldn't overcome the emptiness that uh, what Lenin and, and, and Marxism, what, what they couldn't feel in their hearts, the Orthodox Church that they didn't see as relevant or they wouldn't take serious. There was this emptiness. And I remember in the mornings, out of desperation, God, I don't know what else to do to help people see your fame and your great worth. I would take um, this little Bible that Pam had given me and had the Psalms in it, and I would just pace. And I would just pray God's word. God, would you do something only you can do? I don't even have words. I actually need your word to give me words to pray right now. God, would you do a work that only you can do? Would you send forth workers into the harvest field? In doing so, we had been sent that summer, and we were part of an answer to that prayer. And did you know that over the next 10 years in the 90s, missionaries flooded in, some good, some bad, all over Russia. Uh, prison ministries began, soup kitchens, ministries of compassion. Some seminaries were started. They now actually have healthy churches in places there where the word of God right now is being taught on a Sunday morning. God heard the prayers for his glory, his fame, in his name, and he answered, what are you asking God to do right now that only he Can do. God uses the prayers of His people to accomplish His mission. Father, would you give us the grace and the wisdom, give us the perseverance to keep praying, to keep asking? God, would you do something only you can do in our city, through all the churches of this city? Would you be made famous? In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Would you stand with us? Let's sing this together.
0: we've got something really cool we'd like you to participate in today. And uh, we've provided some prayer guides. As you go out in any one of these doors out the back, we've got prayer guides designed to give you requests for our government, for our city, for our schools, for our hospitals, all over Fayetteville, okay? And what I'd like you to do with your family alone, sometime between now when you walk out of here and before you lay your head down at night, I'd like you to go to a parking lot somewhere in Fayetteville, your elementary school. Please go to the hospital parking lot. Pray over our hospital. Go to one of those parking garages in Fayetteville. Go up to Mount Sequoia. Go out to Lake Fayetteville. Go somewhere and ask God, help me see what you see. Because I believe you're real and you answer prayer when we ask in Jesus' name, Father. I want to ask these things for our city. And would you send workers out from this city into his greater harvest? Can we do that together today? It's a great opportunity for you to teach your kids how to see what God sees and to pray what God prays. I love you, church. If you have prayer needs and you need someone to pray for you, just so you know through these doors to your right, we've got those that are ready to pray with you. Let's have a great week, Faithville. You're dismissed.